This is the Florida Spectacular Podcast with your hosts, Kathy Silustri and Rick Kilby. Keep up with Kathy at GreatFloridaRoadTrip.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Kathy Silustri. Find Rick on Twitter at OldFLA and visit his website, RickKilby.com. Now, discover a Florida you never knew existed. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Florida Spectacular. Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm good. I got out for a jog this morning a little bit late. It was steamy. And I'm sitting up here in my attic in my air conditioner. I have a little window unit up here that it keeps turning itself off. So we'll see if I can make it 45 minutes without the window unit. It's 77 now. So we'll see. It's probably going to be 80, 81 by now we're done. (laughs) Well, I I applaud you for going for a jog. I mean, I keep thinking about I need to get some cardio in. You know, I go go to a gym and I get my strength training in and there's fans and air conditioners. And I love to, I love to run. I'm not very good at it, but, and I'm not very fast at it. Um, But it's just, it's hot. It's getting hot. It's, um, I have a, plant app for my house plants because I do not have a green thumb, but I like having plants around. I by and large feel like greenery is a good thing. And I do have some plants outside on the back porch. I have a wonderful herb garden on the patio in the front. And just for the past few days, all it's all it's been saying when I open it is high temperatures today. Make sure your plants are okay. And I feel like that's a good warning for the planet. Like make sure your plants are okay. Just just check on your green stuff. Well, you know, the other, there's a, there's another part about that. It's like, really, if you if you have stuff that requires watering all the time, maybe that's not the right plant for Florida right now. Because, you know, I thought I think about this all the time that the the water that by and large that people are putting on their lawns with their sprinklers and stuff, it's the same water we're drinking in most cases. Most people don't have gray water to water the yards with, uh, and we're wasting it. You know, and that if you have plants that are better suited to live in Florida, that they get plenty of water from the rain this time of year. And they get a little droopy and stuff, but they should be able to survive. Well, well, let me let me back up because I don't want anybody to think when I say herb garden, I have a plot of land because what I have <laughs> are uh, I have a stacking herb garden that's planted. So it's oh, cool. a column that I have to use water for. And I have. Uh, two pots of basil and then a big a wash a big wash tub with uh, some peppers growing in it. Uh, and the reason I have those is actually to help the planet, cool. or at least to prolong our existence on it. I use a lot of different herbs when I cook, and um, every time I would go to the store to buy them, I was just very aware that they were coming in plastic. They may or may not be organic. They you know all these things. So I decided I was going to buy. To eliminate plastic, I bought a big plastic stacking planner, right? But it's not single use, right? And so uh, it does get some rain water and oh, the good. herbs do very well, but it has not been raining that much with us. Oh. I mean, it's just not raining like it should, but it was, it, it is there so that I don't go buy either the herbs in a plastic Ziploc or the herbs in the plastic clamshell or the herbs in the plastic tube. So I, I like to think that it's not, I, I can't bring myself to not have basil when I have tomatoes. So I, I have to have something, but I feel like I'm doing something good. 
So I have the African basil, which, you know, tastes like basil. I mean, you, you might know the difference between regular basil and African basil. I mean, I put it on my pizza, but it has... Was that, these racist comment? Was that Italian hating right there? That No, <laughs> you're, I mean, you're a real cook and everything. I mean, you know, we get frozen pizzas and my wife likes me to doctor it up, which means going out and getting basil or something from the backyard and cutting it up and putting it on there and you know, putting some more seasonings on it and maybe some tofu crumbles and things like that. We don't really cook, but the African basil is so awesome because it is a big attractor for pollinators. It's not a native plant, but it, you know, it, it does well without water. I've never watered it since it got established. And um, the bees love it. The bees go crazy around it. Whereas regular basil just has, you know, little green leaves. So I have a question about that. When it gets flowers on and it attracts the pollinators that's when it stops producing isn't it i don't know I, i've had it for a couple of years it just keeps going it's one of those oh. ones that does really well indefinitely and um you know if it gets there's dead parts i just cut them off so um well, I've, if that's is it in a pot or in the ground it's in the ground it's part it's part of my pollinator garden that's a, a really good one i you know i've had mixed results with plants i you know i have three different kinds of blueberries right now and they look like they're suffering in this heat and you know i water them in the dry season but i ultimately may not make it with blueberries because i don't want anything that requires constant watering it's you know that's kind of defeating the purpose of what i'm going for whereas i i had a sweet potato crop for the first time last year and i obviously didn't dig them up so new ones sprouted and i'm not doing anything to them and the you know the vines are just growing everywhere so i have i have a everglades tomatoes and some red peppers in my backyard that they're on their own and they're fine i mean yeah you have to pick like 500 of them to make <laughs> tomato gravy, but they just, they just keep coming back and they're like little pieces of candy. When I walk out back, I'm like, Oh, let me have, let me have some tomatoes instead of some Skittles. It's great. I like things that do well on their own. I always said I put I, I always had a environmental Darwinism in my yard. Survival of the fittest, right? I think that's a good way to go. I feel like mine at yard is a constant experiment in that, you know, I'm always learning and, if it if it doesn't make it, I'm I'm gonna give up and try something else. You know, I'm not gonna beat my head against the wall. You know, I it's just one of the things I struggle with with my mom is she wants this beautiful, colorful, tropical garden in her backyard in Gainesville, and it's like, well, you you know, you're not in the tropics, so to keep them alive, you're gonna have to do a lot of work. So she keeps them in pots and she drags them in, drags them out, and she's old, and. It's just so laborious and crazy. And I want to get, you know, my goal is to get my backyard established. So it just kind of does its thing, like the the tomatoes you're talking about. I think that's, that's it. Because, you know, one of the things I think we want to talk about is I feel like this is going to be one of those summers they talk about, the summer of 23, where everything seemed to go to hell. And in terms of climate, what are things we can do? And I, I love the intention behind your herb garden, because I think that's a, a great idea. And I'd love to hear more. I know about, you probably did a podcast about this before, about your whole plastic thing. And I, I don't know if we talked about how my wife was inspired by that, just by reading your, your blog. I love that my plastic blog inspired even one person to change one action. Because I am not, that is not on my great Florida road trip website. I think, I think, I think it's on my kathycelestri.com website. And I don't really 
keep that up anymore. I should. I need to do some web evaluation and redo it. But on my CappyCelestry.com website, I have a section called The Plastic Project. And um, that was inspired. Oh, I don't tend to make New Year's resolutions because they don't, it, it just changed when you want to change. And um, what was really getting to me was everywhere I traveled in Florida, state parks, anything, I was finding plastic. Like I can't walk on a beach anymore. I should just bring a bag with me. Um, there's plastic everywhere. And, and, and it's not even that people are not disposing of it properly. So that's the thing. People, some people, yes, are pigs. I, I have watched people throw things out of car windows. I remember there's a stormy weather book by Carl Hyacin where Skink sees kids throw cans out of the car window and he torch finds them and tortures them. And I, I read that years ago and I thought, well, that's a little extreme. And I get it now because I want to, I want to force that car off the road, grab them by their ear and drag them back. So there are, there are assholes who do that. That's definitely the case, but I believe that most plastic litter is unintentional. Um, and, and this is what happens, right? You, you buy something and you either throw it out, which is what I do with plastic because recycling is actually a net loss for our environment. And we can do a whole podcast on that later, but I don't, I only recycle corrugated cardboard. That's the only thing I recycle. Everything else goes in the trash, but a lot of people recycle plastic and I, and I get why people want to do that. That's a whole other thing. So you either put it in your trash can or you put it in your recycle bin and that's fine. So that's the first opportunity for it to get lost because if your trash can does not have a very tight fitting lid or if it, if there's a storm, there's a really good chance something's going to blow over. And then it's very easy for, say, you have a water bottle. Plastic water bottles are the devil. You have that and you crunch it up, right? So it compresses in the trash can or in the recycle bin. But when it blows over, just gets blown down the street into a storm sewer, which drains to the bay where I live. It drains to Boca Ciega Bay or it drains to the lake. I mean, this is not an incredibly hard thing to, to comprehend, right? So, so a lot of this litter is unintentional. Or when the trash guys are dumping stuff in, something gets away from them. And it's just too easy. So, so all that being said, we were at um, Payne's Prairie State Park. And we were walking along the boardwalk over a little bit of the waterway. It was very, very far into the park, but not too far from the parking lot. Um, And I was looking down and there was a margarine tub. And I couldn't reach it. Like it was, we were too high up on the boardwalk. I couldn't reach it. But it was in the middle of all this beauty. There was a margarine tub. And then um, we were at Flagler Beach. And we were camping at Gamble Rogers. And I went out on the beach that morning to, I wanted to sit above the surf line and just meditate and just watch the sunrise. And there is, I took a picture of it. There were three deflated balloons, not even two feet from a marked turtle nest. Mm -hmm. And of course, turtles see balloons when they're deflated like that. And the water is jellyfish. They eat them and it it will kill them. And those two things, um, we're really working on me, but New Year's Eve, we were up at St. George Island State Park. And I just, again, the plastic litter on the beach, it was just too much. It was just all too much. And like that, it was just like the tipping point for me because I am not going to change the world. 
I am not going to keep, I, I am not going to get Florida to change its laws about not letting people ban plastic bags. I'm not going to even keep the trash cans from blowing over on my street, but I can, I can start with me. And so I was like, I'm not going to have any more single use plastic. And it wasn't that simple. Right. So, um, because it's a complicated, it's a very complicated thing to say, I'm not going to use any single use plastic. Um, so, so the, I had rules. Um, I was not going to throw something out just in my house already that was in plastic or contained in plastic. I was going to use it up and look for substitutes. My other rule was don't be an asshole. Um, if a friend brings over a veggie play on a disposable plastic tray, I'm not going to I'm not going to try and evangelize them. I'm not going to refuse them entry at the door. Um, you know, I also had to make the concession that it doesn't apply to medical care. Um, plastic is good for some things. If I need to be intubated, I want whatever they're shoving down my throat to be in sterile plastic. I also, it's a losing battle with prescription bottles. I don't even know what to do with that. I have glaucoma. They're, they don't make, they don't make that in, um, plastic, non-plastic. So, I mean, those sort of things. Um, and then, um, if I can't find something in that's contained in a sustainable material to replace it, I said, I would, I would only use plastic if I could find a way to reuse the plastic item. And what that came down to for me was some foodstuffs that I cannot get away from in plastic. Um, I have to find a way to reuse them. I have to find a use for those pill bottles. I, you know, and, and yeah. It's been it's been a journey, but and then just to hear that all this, all this that I'm doing here, made even one person decide to make the choice to have something that was not plastic in their home. That makes me happy because it, she, it feels like I'm drowning in plastic. You are. Everybody is. It's part of our society today. I mean, so you know, I have this, but so one of the things that we try and do, my wife tries to do, and I don't know if this is good or not, but like this, you know. I, came from the store. It was on sale. It was a dollar. And I drank that. So then I got, it's a, um, it's like an energy drink um, because I, I'm very conscious of trying to restore all that stuff when I sweat, you know, I sweat quite a bit this morning that I, I when I don't rehydrate properly, you know, I feel the effects later in the day. So I'm very conscious of that, but I got powdered stuff and I just re drink out of the same bottle because it's 16 ounces and that's how good that much the powder takes. So I use it again and again and again. And that's something my wife does. I don't, I don't love it, but it's, it's, you know, ideally I would have one of those aluminum ones or something. Uh, but this just happened to be here because I, I I did have an incident, and in one of these days, on one of our past podcasts, I went jogging, and by the end of the show, I could barely talk because I didn't have enough water, and I could feel how drained I felt, and so I'm making a better effort, and that's one of the things we are doing. The other thing my wife tried to do, and she got this stuff to replace um, like uh, cellophane, you know, saran wrap, mm -hmm. that's this weird kind of oil cloth thing or I don't even know how to describe it. And um she wrapped around Beeswax the crackers. Wrap. Yeah, I can't say I'm a fan of that. It doesn't really I'm not hold. a huge fan of it either, but what I have come to is lint free cut up old clothes works just fine too in a rubber band. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um I so, so like to so keep I, air out? 
Well, I mean, how long do crackers sit around your house? Oh, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, the other thing I do is like when I have plastic bags, because, you know, I don't always remember to bring canvas bags is I use them for my ceramics quite a bit because, you know, wet ceramics have to be wrapped in Mm -hmm. plastic to keep the air out. So there are- Do they? What did we do? How did we make ceramics before we had plastic though? We probably had a damp room or, or someplace damp to keep them, to keep the water off of them. I know they used to put wet newspaper on them, but my one experience with that is it dried out and the, the ceramics dried out. If you, okay. you know, and they probably made everything all, uh, you know, one time, one sitting, whereas I'll work on a piece for a week or two and I have to keep it damp so that I can add new pieces to it. So, okay. you know, if and you're throwing a pot, you do it in one sitting and it's done. I get it. Okay, I wasn't. I wasn't trying. I was just curious no, how we did it because no. that's a question I ask a lot. Like, I've asked my parents, "What did we do for shampoo bottles when you were little?" And they don't remember. They're like, "Well, they must have been glass." Um, so stuff like that. But but I want to pivot a little bit because I don't want to just give the impression the only reason I think people shouldn't use single use plastic is because of the turtles and because it looks nasty. Um, there's another real issue and every time you buy something in plastic you are heating up the planet and that's that's huge right now with the diane roberts had a wonderful article in the florida phoenix an opinion column about um the gulf is boiling and it basically it's not boiling it's it's halfway there um but it's close it's it's damn close i mean it it should it's it feels lovely to me but it's not refreshing. So um, the main way we make, the only way really we make plastics is with oil, fossil fuels. So it's not just that it's unsightly. It's not just that it kills the sweet turtles. It is that every time you buy something in plastic, you are heating up the planet. Yeah, And that's that's a huge problem because, well, what, what did, I, I should just quote Diane's column. And of course, we'll put it in the show notes. It was really um really lovely she um <laughs> snarky it is super she snarky is, she is just so brilliant i really um we should put her just, we're putting her on a pedestal because she's such a great writer and she's a a, a gift to florida and she's like a eighth generation floridian and if you haven't discovered her writing you should and this is one of her best and you know I, and it's kind of what's inspired this podcast because you know, I I think we're at the point where our government isn't is doing things to set us back, especially in Florida. That if we want to feel like we're making a difference, and I, you know, we have to do things ourselves, like your plastic project. And you know, I talk constantly about native plants, and you know, trying not to waste water on your yard and things like that. And, and that's what I've come to is that in this state is such a struggle such a struggle to move the needle on environmental issues and the state is making it harder and harder and harder for environmentalists to make a difference although i do want to add this there was a big victory today it would or this week in wakulla springs where they were wanting to build this gas station where it could really threaten the the um the system there, you know, the Wakala Springs is one of the largest underwater cave systems in the entire planet, and it could be threatened by this gas station they wanted to did to to build. And people came out in such large numbers at the city or county, I think it's county commission meeting, that they backed off. 
So yay, a win for environmentalists. It happens very rarely in the state, but we do get a few. Well, they they tabled it. So it they tabled it. Back. They could. But I, a lot of that credit goes to the Florida Springs Council because mm -hmm. they are um, doing a phenomenal job about getting the word out, mobilizing people, and really driving home. I mean, sometimes we don't really drive home why it matters. That's why I wanted to talk about how plastic was made so that it, people are like, well, I don't live by a body of water. What does it matter? I live 20 miles from the beach and I, it doesn't matter. So it's, it's, there's a lot. And, and there are things that we have to do. I, obviously, the best solution would be if the government, all the governments, the state government, the uh, federal government could all just agree. Um, you know, I live in a lovely little city that does little measurable things. Like years ago, um, we put up, the city put up uh, little stations where people could get dog poop bags. And people started bringing their bread bags and shoving them in the top. And the city realized, hey, wait, we don't have to buy dog poop bags. And now people in the city take their bread bags. They take, you know, sometimes if I have an Amazon bag and they just have them all over the city where people walk their dogs and people keep them supplied. Wow. I mean, so, I mean, it's, there, there are things that you can do like that. But the reason we cannot depend on all governments is as I was getting ready for the podcast this morning. I got an email from uh, from the Florida Department of Environmental Protection, and it was a media release, and it was uh, it was from the communications director, but of course it was worded by the governor, you know, whoever runs DEP, um, and it was uh, good evening. I guess it was sent last night. Today, the Florida Department of Environmental Protection Secretary Sean Hamilton submitted comments on the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency's proposed rule regarding greenhouse gas standards and guidelines for fossil fuel power plants. So we are in the middle of the hottest summer in ever. Um, Canada's on fire. Uh, we're, we've got permanent flooding sides up in my town now, saltwater flooding, because it wow. just isn't a, it isn't a title thing. Like that's how, this is how it's coming. And in the middle of this, um, Mr. Hamilton, who is housed in the Marjorie Stoneman, Stoneman Douglas building in Tallahassee, the irony of this <laughs> irony, is yeah. completely not lost on me, um, sends this letter to Michael Reagan, who is the administrator of the US EPA. And in it, it's eight pages. I'm going to put a link in the show notes because obviously there's more. Um, following review, um, this is a direct quote, following review of the proposed rules and comments from the Florida Public Service Commission, the Florida Reliability Coordinating Council, and the Florida Municipal Power Agency, the department, that's the DEP, formally request the agency terminate rulemaking and decline to adopt the proposed rules. <laughs> If the agency continues with rulemaking, it should extend the comment period by at least six to nine months to ensure all affected entities are able to comment on the impacts of the proposed rules. Now, the subtext with that second sentence, Rick, is to make sure we can get enough lobbyists together to convince everybody who can influence the EPA that this is a bad idea. Yeah. Um, so it, there's a whole, a whole lot here. But this is not this is not good news for the environment. Literally, 
the exact opposite of what we need. And they have a lot of really good reasons in there that I'm sure make sense in their twisted little heads. Um, but it's, it's sites that we have superior air quality in Florida. Um, and then this one, carbon capture and sequestration has not been adequately demonstrated. Um, it says that it doesn't, it's not reliable. They don't believe in carbon sequestration, basically. It doesn't work. So coal. why don't you explain what that is? So, so carbon sequestration, I am not a scientist. So I, I please, if there is a, there is a carbonologist out there, uh, <laughs> feel free to email us and let us know. But <laughs> carbon sequestration in its simplest form, uh, let's go back. I think I was in fourth or fifth grade when they taught us that, um, it takes 78 trees. This is this is going back to the 80s, very early 80s. Uh, 78 trees to essentially provide enough oxygen for one person to breathe. And how the trees do it is when you inhale, you're breathing in air, which is a combination of mostly oxygen, but also nitrogen, blah, blah, blah. And you're exhaling carbon dioxide. You are exhaling carbon. The trees capture that carbon. They sequester it like a jury. And they keep it there and they make more oxygen. So it's a very simple thing. Um, so it's just something that the federal government wants power plants to look at. If you are a fossil fuel producing power plant, you have to offset that. You have to. And it's not. This should not be political. Saying we are running out of ways to not poison the planet. Could, could you please help? Should not be political. Right. So. And of course, the state's response is own the libs, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I am so incredibly frustrated that this is where we are. And it's just. It is It is a tough time. You, you know, one of the things when my, between my books, I did a lot of talks for environmental groups and I, you know, the Springs Eternal Project was something I did with John Moran and Dr. Leslie Gamble. And we tried you know, we did stuff that went on the desk of every state legislature. We did three museum exhibits that traveled the state, two and a half, really. And we, I think we succeeded in creating a lot of awareness in the general public to the point where, you know, there were Springs bills passed, you know, but in fact, the Springs bills really didn't address the problem. And it's just was so discouraging. And that's kind of why I changed my mantra, because it's very, very hard to move the needle politically in the state, because there's a super majority of people who don't want, you know, you, you, you read something from our, our state government that is denying you know, that this problem even exists. And no, it's not it, denying it. It's just saying there's no proof there's a way to fix it. Yes. And Florida's not really suffering. So let's not yeah, even okay, try. It's denying. No, it's, yeah. it, that's denying. You're right. I was trying to put lipstick on a pig. Sorry. So, but ultimately I, I came down to what can I do in my backyard? You know, what can I do? Like your plastic thing. And, and you know, a lot, that's my encouragement to work in your in your literally backyard to try and make a difference there, you know, and we have, so we live on a lake. So all that, that stuff that goes in the storm sewers ends up back in my backyard because it, uh, it ends up in the lake and it floats over to my bank and I pick it up and I put it back in the trash. It's kind of a weird cycle, but I also have, um, the city had, when we remodeled our house forced us to make this berm so that all the runwater coming 
runoff water coming from the street is captured by this berm and actually seeps back into the earth. It doesn't go into the lake where it would just evaporate and in the stuff that actually is caught by the rainwater would end up you know degrading the quality of the, of the lake water it actually seeps into the earth and hopefully is filtered out by the time it hits our aquifer I, in an ideal world it would the lake we live on is very small but i've heard stories from old timers that it was crystal clear at one point and then they they added all these storm sewers around the lake and all this runoff started going in and that's when the quality changed and I also think one of the things that affected its quality too was that people, you know, they have these yard services who spray their yards with all this stuff and they fertilize their yards and all that ends up going to the lake and contributing to algae blooms and that affects the rainwater. Whereas I think in the past, people didn't used to do that. And you're not supposed to spray right up to the water's edge, but I see the lawn services do it all the time. So, I mean, for me, it's what you can do as an individual and, you know, obviously, make your vote count at the ballot box but in this state i don't see significant change coming in that area for a long time no and i mean i don't know that we have a long time so i i'm starting to feel definitely some existential not so existential angst i mean it's it's anxiety producing to me so i had uh, i knew somebody once who said well we can't save the planet the idea is the planet will just kick us off Yes. Like in the grand scale of in the grand scheme of things, other than mass extinctions, the planet's going to survive. What you have to think about is we're making it a place where we can't. Right. And that doesn't seem I mean, that's I think where people maybe get a little twisted between it's a hippie tree hugging woke thing. And there's no thinking about the future, right? We're very bad at that as humans. Um, and I feel bad because this is the Florida Spectacular podcast. I want to give people some some real concrete ways they can at least feel some agency over what they're doing. So single-use plastic is one. Native, native plants is another. Um, I can tell you that um, I, we do not have children and we don't have nieces and nephews. So when we die, our money is going to an environmental organization. Um, that is that is set up already. So I mean, you can make a, a charitable gift to a lot of different places, um, and depending on how severe you want to be. The Nature Conservancy is probably a little bit more pragmatic than some people like, and then you have other agencies that are a little more dramatic. You can set that all up. Um, the other thing, and this is one I hadn't thought about. My husband thinks about these things a lot. Um, if you have any investments. It probably isn't practical for anybody's portfolio to say, pull completely out of any oil companies. Like you're never going to convince any broker if you say, I don't want to be invested in fossil fuel because they do pay high returns. But you want to be looking at what you can invest in. And this is, I am not giving advice because I am not that well-versed in it. But my husband's fascinated with the companies that are making the components for um, wind farms for, he said, Toyota's just developed some sort of battery for the car that's going to let electric cars go much faster. Look for the companies that are supporting this in a way that is fiscally advantageous. Like, so there, there's always you can do this. Um, I'm not advocating for a totally green portfolio because I understand that that sometimes is more about feeling good than making money. And we need to be practical about it. Um, 
you know, I'm trying to think what else, what else can we tell people to do to keep Florida spectacular? And well, I, lo- I love, bit. I love the story you shared about the people putting their bread bags in the thing, because it's not that you're just not using additional plastic for the bags. It, you know, we're picking up poop, not just because you don't like stepping on poop, but because that is full of nitrogen and phosphorus and all that stuff that gets in there and contributes to the degradation of our groundwater. And when it comes up to the spring, it's full of all these all this nitrogen and stuff and contributes to algae blooms. That's the thing. All this stuff we're we're spraying on our planet or or putting into the earth is contributing to the algae blooms. It's this heat, you know, Lake Okeechobee, the whole thing is algae bloom right now. It's a huge, huge lake. It's, you know, the biggest lake in Florida and it's covered with algae. And a lot of this algae is toxic. You know, it's so strange. I'd have to give second thought about actually going in, in into our fresh water right now because it's, you know, it's so hot. I, honestly, I'm a little bit scared. I need to go in and um, try and control some of the aquatic growth in my lake because a lot of it's out of control and not native. But I'm also concerned about that, that uh, uh, the stuff that amoebas in your brain because when it gets hot like this you know they tend to get in the uh the dirt and the sand in in lakes and stuff like that and you know you hear more and more stories about people going in water and getting those brain eating amoebas and it's like it's like your your talk about florida can kill you (laughs) that's another way is the brain eating amoebas (laughs) well that's more humans can kill you but yeah but my talk technically is Florida is not trying to kill you. It could if it wanted to, but it isn't. <laughs> well, um, so don't don't put dirt and sand. You know, when I was a kid, we used to swim in lakes and, you know, you scoop up the, the dirt and sand and you, you, know, you make sand castles on the beach and all that kind of stuff. And now if I saw a kid doing that, I'd be worried for their health because that's where all that the amoebas and stuff tend to live. Well, so... Okay. <laughs> it's depressing. Sorry. But the poop bags we, are good. The poop bags are good. That's the way you can make a difference. I just... Poop bags. I mean, and that's, that's fantastic. Um, what else? Can we find one more thing that people can do to make a little. Do you know what makes me crazy is, is this time of year when I see people watering their yard in the middle of the day, if you are going to water your yard, you know, do it before it's light or, or after dark, because, you know, then you're, you're most likely to not have all that water just evaporate. You, you know, I, I'm not, I don't irrigate my yard. I'm, a, I'm again it. And, but if you're going to do it, do it early and do it late and, you know, don't do it when it rains, you know, that's I, constantly, we'll have a huge rain, you know, an inch and a half. And the next day, this people got their sprinklers on and it makes me nuts. Well, it's on a timer and most people don't realize a lot of counties will give you a free rain gauge to see if you need to water your lawn. Now it doesn't control the timer, but there's there's ways you can tell if your lawn needs to be watered, right? So turf grass does not need to be watered until if you walk on it, it doesn't spring back up. That's the metric. Um, so that's, that's helpful. Um, water at the beginning of the day. They say also if you use uh, sprinklers, 98% of that water is la- lost to evaporation. Lost to evaporation. If avoid watering, avoid it. Um, get a get an automatic shutoff for your sprinkler system. There are things you can do. You don't have I wish you would rip out your turf ga- turf grass. I'm sure Rick you wishes people would rip out their turf grass. I know our producer Chad Scott wishes people would rip out their turf grass because Chad is a huge native plant person. 
but I understand that people are not going to do that. I'm practical about it. So be a little more common sense with watering it. I mean, I used to work for the county utility and I had a coworker who would say, well, aim your sprinklers the right way. No matter how much you water it, that sidewalk's not going to grow. Yeah, it's like, true. It, it, so there's a lot. Um, there's little things you can do. You don't have to be scorched earth like I am about it. And I know that I am scorched earth. I, I, I accept that. I have become the woman who just can't take a walk on a beach anymore because I got to pick up every piece of plastic. I, I am the woman who sneers when I watch my neighbor fertilizing his yard. I mean, I'm that person. You don't have to be me to make a difference. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a hippie woke lib. You, you can simply, hey, I'm going to maybe plant a tree. Maybe take four square feet of that turf grass, put in some drip irrigation, which is super simple to do, and plant something that grows in Florida anyway. Just something. Um, we have the paper I own has a gardening column called Ask Topher. And I had uh, they, people, will, it's a city horticulturist, right? And people are asking questions like, what are the best trees for, for carbon sequestration? Like, I want to plant a tree. Which are the best ones? And she said, in our area, oaks. But she said, but crepe myrtles work too. Like, just plant something. Uh, and it, it's not, there's no one answer. But I think there's a way that people listening can take something away from today and know that they can make a small impact. I hope. Yeah. I, I, there's a, there's so many different ways. And honestly, maybe some of our listeners have ideas we hadn't even thought about and they can contact us because... Uh, you know, it is you can be uh, obnoxious about this stuff, uh, but I think you you try and lead by example um, is best, and you know, and teach your children well, because I think <laughs> who knows they're going to come out with curriculum in our schools that is going to it's make make it illegal to talk about these things. So uh, it's up to us to cross this. It is it is a challenge right now to feel optimistic to. Do, living in this state and this summer and um but fall is around the corner something it'll cool down a little that's, bit <laughs> that's the theory fall, fall is around the corner that's the theory um that's that's I've, i bought a mermaid skeleton for halloween at um, bell's outlet and yes it's plastic but that is definitely not single use um that is a forever decoration for me because i love halloween so um, if you do listen, you're listening and you have your own ideas. If you've done something that helps that we didn't mention, please email us, Kathy at floridaspectacular.com. We would love to be able to share what you've done with other people. So please reach out. And um, with that, Rick, I'm going to go take my refillable water bottle and refill it with <laughs> fresh, clean tap water uh, because our house is a water bottle free zone. So. And thanks for listening. Thank you, Rick, for yes. being here and sharing your ideas. Well, I, I hope that people are encouraged by this because we will start talking about fun, spectacular things about Florida, Florida's film history and subjects like that. Again, I just think we are uh, in a place right now where uh, we're deeply affected by, you know, the day to day what's happening in the state. And, I, you know, I think probably our listeners are there, too. Yeah, I, I hope our listeners are there. I, I 
sort of hope we're not an echo chamber, but I feel like I am extreme enough that maybe we are. <laughs> but um, if you hear something today and you do it, tell us about it. Send us a picture. Let's, you know, yeah. that's, that's definitely something we want to know about. But anyway, thank you for your ideas, Rick. Um, we will be more fun next week or next time if you're listening to this in the future. So future people, just go to the next podcast. It'll be a happy one, I promise. The next episode will be great. And uh, that's it. Have a good week, Rick. Stay cool. All right, you too.